Could somebody please close the door? Thank you. So please, you know, let's uh, find a posture can sustain for about <clears throat> 45 minutes for a guided meditation on the seven factors of awakening. For you to you know, see that they're already in your mind, they're already there, those qualities. Just need to recognize them and then train them to become more stable and more available. Then allow the breath to take you into the body. <clears throat> Feeling the weight of the body on the cushion or on the chair, the gravity, you know, which pulls us gently towards the ground, the planet. You know, showing us, you know, where we come from, these bodies of ours, that emerge out of the planet and then are sustained, you know, through food and drink and breathing And then, you know, at one point they go back. Those bodies, you know, are considered like a, being like a riding animal for consciousness. So consciousness can have, you know, these embodied experiences and kind of learn. And what we are doing here, you know, this practice is a way how we can really use this embodiment to train the mind and pointed in the right direction. And the seven factors of awakening is one way, you know, how this mind training can be laid out in a quite simple way. And it's part of what's called early Buddhism, the very early teachings. And then, you know, these days with secular mindfulness, often, you know, just one element gets picked out and emphasized and while as the 
you know, the context is sometimes a little bit forgotten, and and this practice brings it to us, you know, that mindfulness alone is not enough. It needs to be combined with six other qualities in order to really be liberating. It's a good beginning, but we can't stop there. There needs to also be curiosity, energy, subtle joy, stability or focusing of the mind, and a sense of perspective or equanimity in order you know, for this mind to be fully sensitized so it can discern in a way which leads to letting go of assumptions and patterns of conditioning which have been handed down to us, you know, by our upbringing and many other factors, our culture. And before we start with the meditation, maybe you can bring up, you know, your motivation, your aspiration. Why are you doing this practice? And then, you know, pointing your mindfulness, awareness to the present moment experience, which is the body sitting and breathing in and breathing out. So allowing the mind, you know, to rest on the body, just as the body rests on the cushion. And you probably, you know, can can uh, notice that in comparison to when you came here a few days ago, the mind is not much more willing, you know, to stay with the chosen object, which is the body breathing right now. It has, you know, settled down a bit. And that's the first of the seven factors, mindfulness, or awareness, sati. And, you know, as the, mind, uh, the word mindfulness says, you know, allow your mind to be filled with that direct experience. You don't have to hunt after it, but allowing it to come to us, to fill the mind. 
And you know, in order for the mind to be able to be with such a simple object, it has to become more refined. Otherwise, it can't really stay with the simplicity of the body breathing. It needs this or that entertainment. So it's a it's a gradual refinement of the mind. So it has the capacity to stay with such a simple experience. In order, you know, for the mind to really stay with that experience, there needs to be some interest or curiosity. That's the second factor. And the Pali language is called Dhammavichaya and can be also translated as investigation of Dhamma. So, you know, looking at our experience in the context of Dhamma, which means, you know, noticing body breathing is a constant change happening, the body expanding with the in-breath and contracting with the out-breath, just noticing that constant change, that would be the simplest feature to distinguish if we are mindful of the body breathing. So, you know, the teachings are prescriptive in the sense that they are guiding us, you know, to look at certain features of our experience we usually don't look at. Because usually we get lost in the content and the teaching, you know, guides us to become interested in the structure. Which means, you know, those features of experience which are always repeating themselves. Even there is like 5,000 different stories, you know, we can tell ourselves about ourselves. But they all have a beginning, a middle and an end. So the teaching of the Buddha, you know, guides us towards looking at that rather than drowning in those stories. And that, you know, uh, brings in a complete different information about how the mind works. It brings all into a different framework, which is simplifying everything and, you know, bringing it down to those very repetitive conditions which are constantly happening, but often we are not aware of them. That helps us also like to divest from the content of the stories. So you know, first 
effect of awakening, mindfulness, awareness, a second one, curiosity, interest, investigation of Dhamma. And in order to stay with the experience in this way, we need also to put in some energy, this virya. Balanced energy. That's already the first three factors. You know, we need them even you know if we wanna you know put a key in a keyhole, you need to be aware, you need to put in some energy, you need to you know know how to do this. So it's a it's a, some very, very daily life qualities in the mind as well, but they can be refined so that they are becoming liberating. So you're starting where we are and then uh, you know, unlocking the potential which is already dormant in the mind. And through the training it can be made available. Just like if you go to the gym and train the body and we can develop this rather strange muscles which some people have huge, huge muscles like that. We could do that you know, with the mind. We won't, we won't see it from outside, but you can probably intuitively notice if somebody has developed their mind, it becomes apparent in the way they, they are. You know, if we are sustaining, you know, our mindfulness with the body breathing, then slowly, you know, some of the tension which was there at the beginning, maybe slowly is let go of and it gets all a little bit more smooth. And that brings in the next factor of awakening, which is uh, pity or subtle joy, more or less subtle joy. It is different for different people. And, you know, some of us might not experience any joy. And then maybe you can discern maybe a little bit of contentment. Really having arrived in the body.
setz dir vorerst vor, Mindfulness, Curiosity, Energy and subtle joy. And a joy which doesn't come from any kind of you know, sense experience like eating or listening to beautiful music or running or whatever it is. But it's, it's a joy which is of a different nature which comes from letting go. It's kind of an acquired taste, you know, in the beginning it might not be easily discernible, but it's something, you know, to take an interest in because it helps the mind to stay on track. There's a certain buoyancy which comes with that joy. It might be ever so subtle, so it might take some time, you know, to get used to noticing it. And just, you know, note, you know, holding on to the mind in any way, but just allowing it to find its way, you know, after that uh, subtle choice there, then the mind slowly, you know, starts to calm down more. It's nothing we have to do, that's just a natural progression. There's a sense of enrichment through that subtle joy, automatically, you know, the calming down follows. Because there's no need, you know, to go and look for something else. And that's the fifth awakening factor, calm or pasadi. That's when the and the awareness, you know, becomes, gets some depth. Like it's, you know, when you walk into the ocean from the beach, slowly, you know, it's sloping down towards the depths. 
And then, you know, slowly the fragmentation of the mind disappears more and more. And there's a stability, stillness, connectedness, composure, immersion, we can also call it. And that's samadhi, sometimes also translated as concentration, which is a little bit um, not so suitable because it's, concentration is something about narrowing down and it has nothing to do with narrowing down. But it's a real stability with that object, or uh, an immersion is also quite a good word. The mind is no longer, you know, wavering. It's like if you've, you know, walked in from the beach and now your head is underwater, you're fully in it. Then, you know, that's like being in a different, different uh, world. Different way of experiencing ourselves. Without, you know, story, without commentary, just a direct experience. And being really fully connected with the object, yet spacious and balanced. That's the last of the seven factors, which is uh, in the Pali language called Upeka, and in English, we can call it you know, equanimity or perspective. Bird's eye view from that view, you know, we can see the conditionality of everything, how it's causes and conditions. Uh, you know, arising and ceasing, and things we no longer see things as separate entities, but we can see how everything depends on everything else.
So it's a, like a deepening and a widening of awareness. And through that, you know, deepening and widening, we have a more realistic view. Like, a, you know, a um, bird, you know, flying over the valley here and seeing, you know, spirit rock inside of this uh, range of hills, seeing over to the ocean. The fog rolling in. It's a very different outlook than if you're inside here and just see a little snippet. And then this uh, seventh factor of you know, sense of perspective that enables us also then, you know, to have more capacity for mindfulness and awareness and then renewed interest. And then, you know, it's like um, we start the spiral again. And in this way, you know, we go deeper and deeper into reality and have a very different outlook onto our experience, it shows us a, a different world, really. And that helps us, you know, to balance out our sense experience. Like to have a, the second side of the coin, you know, showing us a different way of making sense. Rather than, you know, being glued to our stories, which are very partial, which have a value, but they also need to be balanced out with the big picture. And, you know, of those seven factors, mindfulness is the, the basic. Mindfulness is the entrance gate into that. And then the following three are more energizing. Curiosity, energy, and the subtle joy. And the last three are more calming. Calmness, stability, and perspective and it's like you know paddling in a boat down the river on the one hand on the one bank on the left side it's the more energizing qualities on the right side the more calming and depending you know what we need we go either to this side or to that side not getting stuck and coming back to the middle and allowing that river, you know, to carry us. And 
you know, being in the flow. And if you're noticing, you know, we are kind of trying to interfere with the flow, trying to stop it because we like this thing or trying to get away from it because we don't like that one. Noticing that and including it in awareness. Without any judgment, just noticing it, taking an interest in it. Allowing that flow, giving it the space it needs. Learning to not interfere with that flow. At the same time, you know, having the openness to know if something needs to be done. For now, you know, nothing. We hear the siren out there, there's a fire in Spirit Rock, we all get up and leave as soon as we can. For now, you know, there's nothing else to be done. Just sitting here. And developing that choice, you know, to be responsive rather than reactive. You know, noticing the spaciousness in the room and in the mind. You know, the spaciousness which doesn't end at the walls of the hall. It's limitless space. Just listening into that space, into the silence. giving us a taste, you know, how vast the mind can be.
if it's not, you know, clouded over by the hindrances, the mind is limitless and crystal clear. And we can, you know, familiarize ourselves with that through practice. Then we get more and more capable of coming back to that vastness. As a balance to the stories and dramas, you know, which we usually tell ourselves. If they are not activated, the mind is naturally vast and clear. like the sky, then there's clouds moving through, like some stories, some sounds, some thoughts, some pains. They come and they go. And we can know them. We can know the impermanence unsatisfactoriness of those phenomena. There's no need, you know, to interfere with those. And sometimes there is a need. Whenever your mind, you know, gets lost in thinking about something, as soon as you notice it, you just let it go and come back to listening into the silence, into the space. Allowing the mind to expand so it gets to know this other quality as a balance, you know, to the thinking mind, which has a important function, but it needs to be situated in this bigger picture. That's what these uh, seven awakening factors are supporting us in.
we're not so 100% identified with the thinking mind, but seeing it with perspective, when it can really serve us and when it you know, is rather encouraged to step back not meddle with everything constantly, habitually, based on fear, based on worry, based on anxiety, knowing its place in the big picture. at a time in history of our species, you know, where we have started to notice how caught up we have become in our own um, theories about everything, which are so limited, of course. You know, species of like our species being the youngest species on this planet. And so immature in many ways. This practice can really help us to get a sense of perspective and humility. And then, you know, letting go of the spaciousness and of the silence and being aware of that which knows about the spaciousness and the silence. There's nothing, you know, which needs to be done. Just allowing the mind to respond when it hears what is being said. And if it's, you know, if it feels befuddled and confused, just let that be there. This is like an acquired taste, you know, this practice needs to be cultivated. You can't just will your way. It's more an invitation. And when the mind is ready, it will respond. So knowing that which knows about the space. Like a mirror, you know, which is reflecting effortlessly all phenomena which are 
in front of it, the mind has that same quality and we can become conscious of that quality when we are ready. And that's the refuge in Buddha. The capacity to rest as that knowing rather than identifying somehow, you know, simply speaking is the difference between the sky and the clouds. The clouds are coming and going and the sky is always the sky. Sometimes it's completely covered over by the clouds and can't be seen. But then when the clouds part, that is awareness. And rather than being completely invested into the clouds, we can have a sense of perspective on the coming and going of the clouds by knowing what it is to be the sky. You know, this insight is what the seven factors of awakening, if they are cultivated, they enable us to strengthen that confidence that even the sky is completely covered over by clouds, there's the confidence the sky is always there. Even, you know, I lived in Sunset District in San Francisco some years and over the summer sometimes we didn't see the sky for three months. But then, you know, in the fall we could see it again. Hadn't gone anywhere.
you know, as I said, it's it's not about you know taking on more stuff, taking on more information. It's about letting go. It's about dropping. those emotional and cognitive filters, the clouds. But not in a, with aversion or frenzy or anything like this, but in a way like through starting to see through them and then they start to dissolve. And in their own time, can't pressurize it. But we can, you know, set causes and conditions in place slowly, which give us the grounding so we can have that patient endurance to attend to this process. Rather than, you know, wasting our energy with all kinds of distractions. Because the process can be taxing at times. It's uncomfortable. But this discomfort, you know, can also show us that something starts to melt and starts to get moving. It can be painful. It's really about allowing that movement to come back, coming back to life. Life is all about movement. That's also where we do the, uh, the movement meditation and the guidance we get from Monica. It's all about, you know, keep moving. And maybe for some time, you know, the thinking mind just stops, you know, or slows down very much. Like, you know, a dog which has been running around like for five hours and then suddenly it gets tired and lies down. It's like a temporary liberation of the mind. 
and can give us a taste, you know, of the so-called goal of the practice, the, which is called Nibbana or Nirvana. Give us a little taste of that. Even if it's only a temporary liberation. And there's many of those moments during the day, also small moments, short moments, we might not be aware of. You know, when we're in nature, or maybe before we go to sleep. When we're really fully in the body, you know, or under the shower, wherever it's happening, there's many of these very short moments. And through the meditation, we can consciously cultivate it, give the mind a break. And you know, as the mind becomes more consciously familiar with that vastness and the peacefulness of it, it has a certain grounding which can be remembered, you know, in times of activation when we are triggered. Rather than, you know, going off on a tangent, we can remember the vastness and it takes out some of the charge immediately. without having to, you know, split it off into the head or, you know, suppress it by drinking something or eating something. We can handle it, we can hold it because we know of the vastness. We have confidence in that. Even, you know, the situation might feel uncomfortable. But we can be with it. And at the same time we learn a lot about what it is to be a human being and that is wisdom and compassion, the harvest of that. Now we're coming to the end of the meditation. You know, every state of mind, you know, has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And even the most sublime state of mind and the most dreadful state of mind, that's what they have in common. They are impermanent. And they are unsatisfactory. And they are not done by self.
We'll be uh, continuing with the practice meetings today. Uh, Victoria is in room two. Aya is in room one, and I'm in the council house across the way. Um, If you uh, did not see your name on the list and you weren't seen yesterday, you were not seen yesterday, um, please come to uh, room one or the council house in this first round of meetings, just directly after this, we um, end this session. Uh, Please come on time. I just really want to emphasize that. Um, if you are waiting, if you're wanting to use the restroom, you can go ahead and bow to the front of the line if there's a line, just so that you can make it to the practice meetings on time. Uh, The first practice meeting, again, is right after this session at 9.30. I'm sorry, 9.50. And then um, the second group meeting starts at 11 a.m. So that is scheduled um, in the middle of a practice session in here. So please do not uh, come into the hall for the 10.30 practice session if you are in the 11 o'clock group. Just find a a place outside to uh, sit quietly or in the lower walking hall. Later today, there's going to be a a session at the 3.30 session. Um, In here, we're going to have some announcements, so please do come to that. It's important. Um, Just a note on notes. If we did not uh, respond to a note, um, we apologize. There's still a lot that we are attending to you, so um, we really wanted to respond to your notes, but it, there, there's just n- not quite enough time to. So if there's a question that you're really wanting answered and you're scheduled for a practice session, um, please do bring it to the pra- practice session and we can respond that way. This afternoon we'll be doing some metta practice or uh, rather some of the Brahma Bihara practice. So these are uh, practices cultivating qualities of the heart that support us in our awakening process. So um, I mentioned this morning at the, the early practice session that uh, today is the last full day of practice. This is the most mindful you've likely been since arriving here a few days ago. And it may be, you know, one of the last opportunities in a while for you to uh, be, you know, in the flow of a retreat. So um, please do take uh, advantage of this and really use the the mindfulness that's been cultivated to investigate uh, like I was talking about in the awakening factors, um, you can know you know the future 
the thoughts and the planning and the futurizing will arise. It's inevitable um, due to co- conditions, as I said this morning. And just know them as thoughts, present moment arisings, and uh, bringing the mind to where the body is, just over and over again. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.